sharing stories together that will inspire you. I would love to hear from you. So follow me on social media at Unreal Talk Pod, Facebook, Twitter, and on Instagram. You can listen wherever you get podcasts, and that includes Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all major listening platforms. The podcast is also on YouTube, so make sure you stop by, subscribe, and check it out. I hope you enjoy the episode, and I hope you continue to do what is right and kind. Today's conversation is centered around the recent attacks and brutal killings of our brothers and sisters from the Muslim community. First off, Islamophobia, racism, hate crime against the Muslim community is and has been a huge systemic problem around the world and Canada is no exception. It needs to be addressed now and immediately. Racism, racial slurs, brutal attacks continue to rise in Canada. And when these horrific crimes happen, we sometimes like to think it's episodic, it's a one-off situation. It can't happen in Canada. We don't like to attribute it to systemic issues in Canada because, after all, Canada is supposedly a multicultural nation. Earlier this month, the Afsol family went out for their usual Sunday walk, you know, in their neighborhood. But this time, they were run over by a truck in what police are calling a targeted attack motivated by anti-Muslim hate. Four members of the Afsal family lost their lives on that fateful day. Mom, dad, grandma, sister, all gone, just like that. And they were survived by your nine-year-old son. While we're still grappling with what happened to the Afsal family, this senseless crime, fast forward to just a few days ago, here in our community, two Muslim sisters, visibly Muslim because you're wearing your hijabs, were attacked in our community here in the city of St. Albert. One of them was just knocked out unconscious to the ground. And let's not forget about the attack in Quebec in 2017, where a man opened fire in a mosque and killed six people, six people dead and several others injured. These attacks in Canada are not episodic, as you can see from history and from this quick summary that I'm doing here for you today. Something needs to be done. Islamophobia is endemic in our communities and in our systems. In light of these horrific incidents against the Muslim community, I have long felt the burning need to talk about this issue, to highlight and bring awareness to this on my podcast but I didn't want to talk about it by myself. I wanted to have a Muslim brother or sister come talk to me about it because I'm a Christian. Most people know that I'm a Christian woman, but I wanted the perspective to have my Muslim brother or sister to come chat and let's talk about how we can do this. So today my guests and I are talking about how to tackle and address Islamophobia with concrete solutions, concrete government policies and actionable practices that you and I can adopt to protect and support our Muslim friends, neighbors, colleagues, brothers, and sisters. So with me today is Fatia Tia Abdullahi. I'll let her introduce herself really soon here, but I want to say that Tia is a registered social worker in Alberta and currently works as an acute inpatient social worker. She's skilled in multiple areas, including psychotherapy, crisis intervention, case management, group therapy, and more. Tia is from the Armo Canadian community, a young mother, an activist, and passionate about speaking truth to power, raising awareness on social justice and human rights issues. She recently granted an interview to Global News addressing rising racism and Islamophobia in our community. 
So I urge you to check out that interview that Tia has done. So our Muslim brothers and sisters urgently, desperately need your help and your support. They are in constant fear of living in our community. They can't go out in the grocery stores, to schools, to the mall, on a walk, on a walk in your neighborhood. Think about the little things that you do and you take for granted. Our Muslim brothers and sisters cannot do that. So now I bring on my guest here to come talk to us about our topic today, which is addressing Islamophobia. Welcome, Tia. Thank you so much, first off, for giving me your Thank you for having me. I do have to ask, I know this is a difficult question to ask, but how are you doing? How are you coping in these times? You know, as you mentioned, our, um, and my voice is going to change because I'm kind of, uh, anxiety kind of just really takes over me. I understand. Especially when you mentioned the Armandan family, I, I get goosebumps. It's an immediate reaction. I, I still get goosebumps till now. I think, just like you mentioned, I think we are kind of dumbfounded. We kind of, we, I don't understand. I was just speaking for myself. Is I've, been, I've been living in Edmonton for over 22 years, and this is my home. I never, I, I never, like, even, even the whole Black Lives Matters and the whole uh, Black issues, and I never, honest to goodness, I never felt like I didn't belong, or I never felt like I have to constantly check, you know, mm-hmm. um, my surrounding. It was it, kind of foreign thing for me. It's, it's, it's something that happened in the state. It's something that we see on TV. Yeah. Um, I was but not, not here, right? No, never. It, it's absurd, actually. It's just, it, it doesn't make any sense. So, I think I'm here, but I think I'm also, I'm jumpy. And I, I, I am jumpy. I am, I am very, my anxiety level, I, don't, I didn't even think I had anxiety. I didn't even think as a black person there is such a thing as anxiety for me. I, just to be honest with you. But I think, because, you know, we're told to be strong. We're, talk, we're told to be resilient. Absolutely. We're told to be fearless. Uh, I know how we're brought up as black people, yes. Right? So it's just, but then it's a chemical reaction. I get immediate reaction. Yeah. I have an anxiety because you don't understand. I think when you don't understand something, it bothers you. It doesn't leave you. You just don't understand what's going on. Um, and I think for me personally, I think I have my three kids with me and I am a single parent and I just don't understand. I have to wait. Every decision I'm making, for example, simple thing, I just go into grocery shopping. I honestly got to have to pause and say, hmm, is this really a good time to do this? Are there going to be so many people? Are you going to be safe? Um, do you really need that? Do you need extra milk today? Today, do you can the kids be okay today? Another thing I I I, uh, I adapted now is when we're driving with my kids, um, I roll down. So I might I roll down my window because it's very hot, as you can see. I mean, the, we've been having heat wave for the last you know week or Absolutely, so. Absolutely. Yeah. But every time I arrive in a traffic stop, I roll up my window. I put my my uh, my window up, and and I think. It just it became an immediate reaction for me because I don't honestly God know what's going to happen. Um, and because a couple a couple months ago there was an incident about road rage, about a Muslim uh, visibly Muslim family being attacked, road rage. He, the guy cut him off, got out of the car, started stalking him. So because I say I have that, I'm like okay, well I don't want this to happen. What if I'm passing someone now? Maybe Tia, you know maybe we have to pass. Let's not pass this person. You are in constant fear. So I think is a new. Um, new normal at this point until we just figure out what's going on what's what's going on what's going on wow. right is a new way of living and you're right we we take a lot of things for granted we take simple thing as going for a walk for granted we take going to grocery shopping for granted it's really scary and you know as I was preparing for our conversation today I, you know, went and just did some reflection and just try to imagine if I was a Muslim person, you know, who wore a hijab and just what my day would be like, because there are so many things that I do now just casually that I feel like you can't do that. And so are our other Muslim brothers and sisters around the world. Like you can just get up and just go because there's just so much hate. Like it's, it's in the air is suffocated. Yep. It's scary. Yeah, and I sometimes I also worry about um, my mom. My mom is um, she's very stubborn. <laughs> she likes to go parents. for a walk. I mean, yeah. she yeah, she got a knee surgery a couple of years ago, so she she watches her kids for us. But then when we pick up her kids, she likes to go for a walk, and that's kind of my concern. 
these people are coward. They don't care how old you are. Yeah. I mean, clearly they're attacking people who can't see them. This is a, um, you're not aware what's going to happen to you. They're jump, you know, is is they're coward. There's the, their whole yeah. point is their whole perspective is to instill fear in you. So you, your, your, your life change. So my concern is really for my mom, my sister, my cousins, people in my community who can't speak the language properly, who really don't understand what's going on. That this is the reason why I want to do what I need to do. But then at the same time, like for example, the rally that was happening, it happened at Churchill. I don't feel comfortable. I don't feel safe. If it was at the ledge ground, it's a bit different because, you know, train station is not really, really close. They can't mm-hmm. really run that far. The police might be near. The Churchill Square over the year has been crazy place to be to yeah. begin with. And it's so there is so much space that anybody can do something and run in the crowd and nobody knows it's very so we, scary yeah and and it's definitely not safe actually to gather in those groups right now as a visible muslim i totally i didn't I, I do i don't feel like i feel like i'm going to be exposed and i feel like i'm going to be exploited it's, it's nice to be present but when it, the crowds goes away and i'm going to my car i'm going to because i have to walk somewhere to get yes. to my car Imagine and you this. never know right <laughs> Well, that's why I said that at the beginning is that a lot of things that we take for granted, if you did go for a rally, you have to consider that you don't know who's seen you and who is stalking you all the way to your car, right, all the way to your home. I, you know, I don't mean to throw fear out there on no, but on it's reality anybody, though. I, but I just, yeah, I just want people to really have a full picture of the reality. Yeah. Absolutely. So you mentioned that you've lived in Canada for 22 years. Yes. I'm just wondering now, in this time, have things gotten better or worse? Like, were things like this in the beginning when you first moved to Canada? No. It's funny. Um, I, I was actually talking to another friend. I said, even like when 9-11 happened, I was in high school back then. I still remember. I don't remember anything. I, ever, I never even heard of it. And imagine you will, you'll think as time evolves, we'll be, we'll be evolving ourselves. Right, will be more liberal or more I don't yeah. know. Right, our our mind will change. We, you know, we will evolve and become better people. You will think at that time that was more warranted, even though we haven't done anything. Some other person did what they did to the nine eleven. You know what happened? Mm-hmm. We didn't flex at that, but I will think there'll be some anger coming out of that. But yeah, even back then, absolutely. I haven't seen anything. I, I personally have never been oh, knocked the wood. I have never been attacked, whether it's for my color or whether I'm a woman, whether I have not been attacked. And I'm, I'm, I'm not taking that for granted. I'm, 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 I'm very thankful of that. But I think I, I was telling also my friend, I said, this day, I, I feel like I will be next. I don't know what it is. It, it's just, um, I'm not weak. And this is not what that is. I, I don't even think this is what no, it is. No, absolutely think not. It, it's just... If you see somebody coming to you, like, you know, if somebody is attacking you and you're right in front of them, one of two things would happen. You'll defend yourself. You're either going to, they will either, you know, it's going to be one or the other. You're going to, you're going to assault them. They're there's assault only you. Other, yeah, there's only two, right? ways out, two way out of it. Yeah, but this is not, this is not the case. This is, is a premeditated attack without you being aware of it. So that's kind of, I think, is the fact that you are not in your zone or whatever you want to call it. You're not in a place where you see this happening. Absolutely. It's very interesting that you said that even after 9-11, this outrage didn't exist. But now we're seeing this all of a sudden. Because I was thinking about that and I I was wondering, like, after 9-11, were these kind of situations happening? I don't remember it happening at this intensity. So I'm just wondering, what do you think are some of the reasons why Islamophobia is on the rise today, especially here in Canada? Oh, my God. I, I think because, um, you know, I know some of the leaders kind of connected with us and they reach out to us because I, I, uh, I belong to this uh, um, sister dialogue, a sister circle. We're trying to... Uh, provide some healing and some venting space for us and they reach out and, I, and we were talking like why is this happening why now what's going yeah, on why now exactly me personally what I think is I think um, they're all connected because um, that's what I believe anyways I, I think it's all connected I think this is happening somewhere online 
that's what I think it is because there hasn't been any, you know what, and this is very sad of me to say this, but um, I'm going to say this anyways, because sometimes you, you think if there is an attack, if there's a terrorism attack, if a, if a Muslim person attack France or they attack the U.S., then if there is a rise of Islamophobia after that, there is some justification, although not really. Do you know what no. I mean? No, exactly. No, but you can even say, like, somebody will even say, oh, well, you know, that makes sense. People are scared. You know, they're retaliating. You could even say that. But there hasn't been any of that, Egypt. There is literally nothing. And these attacks are happening randomly. Is a, is a spiral. It's happening anywhere and everywhere. Yeah, it's spiraling. It, right? It, so yeah. I think there is a, um, there is a, somewhere online, people are having this conversation. Um, there is a very strategic, I, I find, mm. and I think um, this is what we're asking of them. I, I was thinking they need to maybe monitor those online conversations, even if you think it's very tiny, if you think it's nothing out of it, maybe we should really monitor those language that's happening. Um, it can be, I, I'm sorry, but I don't believe this is just random. No, no, no. One or two is random. <laughs> now we're talking it's about not, friends. Yeah, right? no, it's not random. So, and they're targeting women except the one today in Saskatchewan or that family. But I think, uh, I don't even know, man. I, I think, EJ, I feel like this is why you're, my brain hurts. And I think all of us are kind of confused because yes. we're trying to find out, like, why now? Like, what's happening now, right? And sometimes this pandemic, too, maybe uh, might be just an excuse, but it's nice to have an explanation somehow. I do think sometimes maybe this pandemic is also um, aggravating people. And I think a lot of people have lost their jobs. Um, and I think mental health, you know, although I'm not really, again, this is very sad because you're trying to find justification. Yeah, we're trying to find justification. <laughs> but yeah, no, yeah. I agree with you. I've heard people say that as well, that they feel like, the rise in hate crimes and racism and all of that is could be attributed to the pandemic. Now, I don't know how true that is. Uh, and I and I agree with you. I still don't think that that's a justification for violence, period. You yeah. know, so let's discuss some of the misconceptions about Islam and yeah. the Muslim community, because I do feel that there is possibly some criticism I don't want to say attack or or violence or maybe that is the right word but I would choose my word carefully to say that maybe why some people criticize Islam or criticize the Muslim community is because of that misconception of certain teachings uh, and myths about Islam or Muslim community so in your experience can you share some of the misunderstandings or misconceptions that you've heard that we can address today to help people understand that these are just myths? For one, I think, I believe, we fear what we don't know, you know? Um, but then at the same time, I am putting the same ex uh, expectation I'm going to put on myself. At the same time, EJ, there is a lot of um, knowledge on the internet, or you, you can, if you want to learn something, Especially nowadays, you can find that knowledge. Let's even grant them ignorance. Let's just say they're ignorant, they do not know the information, so let's provide them with some information. For me, the big one is the fear is from the unknown, right? For folks who studied theology, you know Christianity, Judaism, Islam, we all come, it's all the monotheism. We all believe in one God. So the message is the same. It's however you got to the message, whether it came through, we believe it came through Jesus, it came from our prophet, uh, Muhammad, peace be upon him. However you got to the message, the message is still the same thing. We all, everybody's preaching the same thing. There is some discrepancy here and there. You know, and in my faith, in Islam, um, we are prohibited. It's actually a, a, a sin for us to disrespect the Torah or the Bible we're not allowed to because those are still God is war. We believe those things. Again, there is this, this discrepancy, of course, that's why we have different faith. But we do not we do not disrespect that because that's that's how we believe. And I think when it comes to Islam, there is a misconception between faith and uh, culture. People get confused with those things. 
and we have to separate that right culture is wh- whatever we adopt if you if you grew up in ethiopia in nigeria if you grew up in the middle east your culture is different than mine right however sometimes people interlock that they make it one yes, islam absolutely. is very simple islam is simple I'm, i kid you not islam just means peace right however though we have to differentiate between Islam and Muslim people, right? Islam is the religion. Religion is perfect. Religion is the way it's made. However, us, we're not perfect. You, mm-hmm. If you want to critique something, critique the Muslims people, how they're practicing, right? But not the faith, because the faith hasn't done nothing. Um, I, um, a lot of it, we see a lot of violence that comes from folks who identify as Muslim, Right? You cannot be Muslim if you're killing somebody. Let's just say, let's just clear that up. It, it, it literally says if you kill one person, as if you kill a whole humanity. That's how, in our belief, that's not a Quran. So whoever is practicing Islam or pretending to practice Islam and doing harm in the name of Islam, that person is no longer Muslim. He's not. He's not practicing. He's going in his own agenda, and that's that. If we can provide some sort of justification for the crazy guy who just ran over that family, we can. And now there is a talk, there is a mental health. I, I knew that's gonna come, yeah. right? So if, when that person is not Muslim, we always give them justification. You know, we always say um, hate, hate the act, but not the illness. I think mm-hmm. there's something I saw that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, when a yeah. Muslim person or somebody who identify as Muslim, that's the same thing. Now we critique the entire Muslim. And we label it terrorist attack. We label it terrorism attack. And us, the rest of us, have to apologize on behalf of some random psycho who's killing people, right? So my religion is, 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 is just like any other religion. We believe in peace. We believe in no harm. We believe being good to your neighbor and going about your life. We believe in giving charity, praying, fasting, going to a pilgrimage. Those are the things we believe in. We don't believe anything else that you see on the media. That's what that is. And that's the propaganda. And I think the purpose is to instill fear in every single person and to create divide between us. And this is what I hate, really. We became us and them. Yeah, like, we became an, Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm, I'm so yeah. confused about that. But there is, other than that, we're just like anybody else. I mean, even take for me, for example, I struggle with the hijab. I'm sorry, but it's, it's, uh, it's, it's always like up and down for me because... I'm a human being, right? I struggle with that. It is part of my religion that sometimes I don't agree with, but it's, it's not, I think it's where you go to learn about religion because a lot of us growing up, because I grew up in Canada and I, you know, I came when I was younger, but we're growing up in two different cultures, right? So if you, sometimes the folks that you go to learn religion from, I'm sad to say, but you don't get, you, you don't get the teaching that you want. They're very judgmental. Absolutely. This happens in the Christian faith as well all the time, you know, and for my podcast listeners who've listened to me for a little bit, I talk about some of the things within Christianity or biblical teachings that I don't agree with or because people have misquoted them. People have skewed your understanding and misinterpreted it. So, for example, the big one that most Christians know about that is always a bone of contention and there's always a rub about it is submission. You know, there's a part of the Bible that says uh, a woman should submit everything to a man, you know. Same and, here. <laughs> well, we there you go, exactly see? You know, and I tell people that Absolutely. that is submitting to a man who has first submitted under the authority right. of God. You yes. are not submitting to an abusive man. You are not submitting to a violent person. Yes. And you're not submitting definitely to any man. It's only right. the man that you're married to who is yes. first and foremost, under the authority of love. If that yes. man does not understand love, you have no business submitting nothing to this kind of a person. Absolutely. So there, that is a very perfect example where people, you know, make misunderstand it. So I feel like with Islam or any other religion out there, yeah. it's the same thing. There's always going to be things that we struggle with because someone else has thought us differently, right? There are yes. people out there who teach, oh, no, you've got to submit, like, you know what, just pray for the man. If he's violent, just keep praying for him. I, One day, not, I, God will take oh care of it. Oh, my God. I have a, you know? We need another podcast, podcast We need another that podcast for that. But, but, that. but people <laughs> preach that. If you, yes. There are some um, you know, know religious teachers within the Christian faith that preach that. 
Yes. Now, is that right or is that wrong? That's a different conversation altogether. Yes, but absolutely. that is a misunderstanding and a misinterpretation yeah. of the Bible. And I feel yeah. like that's that's the same thing that you're trying to say here. And so people who are, you know, just taking Islam out of taking it just completely away from yeah. what the Quran is saying is truly unfair to expect the rest of the Muslim community to be apologizing for that one person's yeah. act you know when a pastor does something wrong like a pastor goes out there and kills his wife which happened quite recently i think it was in the states yeah i don't apologize for that pastor as a christian no. and so there's other and you shouldn't you should there. not this is it's, between him and his, his lord he, he and did his, that yeah so yeah. does that mean that all the christians out there are going to do these horrible things to their spouses and to loved ones absolutely not yeah. That, but there are bad people in in the Christian Absolutely. faith. There are bad another people thing, in other faiths. You know. Period. Another another yeah, another misconception in Islam is that uh, women are oppressed, um, and because uh-huh. we're oppressed, we are yeah. forced to wear the hijab. That's right. We are so oppressed. I've heard that, that one. You know, but you know, it's interesting because you know, is um, <laughs> it's interesting how that works because I, if I'm choosing not to comply. To the standard beauty you know how am i and if i'm choosing to cover yes. myself because i'm submitting myself to my lord and you know how i don't I, I'm, I'm so confused about that because i'm making that choice to say well no i am not going to abide how the society works the, the standard beauty what i'm supposed to look like i'm i'm deciding i'm gonna go cover myself and be modest whatever that's gonna be for me i think there is nothing more brave and more more badass than this for me because you literally especially nowadays that fashion and um, body image and yeah. everything is thrown in our faces you're saying no i reject that and i'm rather you know cover myself how is that oppressing and then suddenly no, you're oppressed yeah yeah there is no man that tells us and my, my interesting my ex-husband actually he's also a muslim man he never actually wanted me to wear the hijab so that doesn't make sense to me. And a lot of us, there isn't a husband who's going to tell you, cover yourself. Because at the end of the day, when I die, I'm going to my grave. God is going to question me alone. It's going to be just me. My husband's not going to be in the grave with me. My kids nope. will not be there with me. It's going to be me. You, and, yourself, and yourself and my alone. Yeah, you, yeah. Exactly. So when people say well, Muslim women are oppressed, I'm like, how are we oppressed? Or they say sometimes Muslim women are not allowed to go to school. They're not allowed to earn money big one just like you said is the submission to your husband but then again don't take this out of context and focus focus on that piece of it because if that's the they focus, focus maybe... on the political piece and there is always a political piece in any culture or in any religion there's just always a political piece so for example we all know that there are parts of the world where women are not allowed to drive and so that I'm yes. part of it. That's not Islam. That's the culture. That's Saudi Arabia. That right? is where I'm going. So yes. that's where I'm going. But people forget. That's why I started. I prefaced that by saying there is always a part of religion that has the political and the cultural piece of it that we forget. And that is really not the teaching in the word of God. Right. It's what men and yes. women have decided to you know, integrate and plant into your culture and, and guise it under religion, but it's it's not That's all a patriarchal it. system. Um, and I think, you know, it's interesting. People focus on driving. Nobody cares about no driving because I think we focus on the driving. There is a bigger issue than driving for me. And then when a lot of people focus on, oh, she's not allowed to drive. But I'm like, okay, but though, that's a small part of it. Yeah. But then it's really interesting. I was going to mention about the whole submission to your husband. Islam in our, in our, in our religion would not allowed to take her husband's last name. So if I'm submitting to this man, if oh. I am very oppressed, shouldn't I have to have his name? I mean, should I should have just took his last name I think then. this whole last name thing, I have to go back and read my history really well, but I have the understanding, I read somewhere, that yes. this was something that came from the white man's European type oh, I'm not culture. Even, I'm not even surprised. To, I'm talking, speaking now for my own country, like it, yeah. those of us from West Africa, to us. Yeah. Because there were times where that just wasn't the case. If you yes. got married, you kept whatever name that you came to the marriage with. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, somebody brought this tradition in that says that, you know, if you get married as a woman, you need to change your to your husband. It might be for security back then. 
Yeah, you know, it might be for security. Back then, we never know. But I, in our in our faith, though, we are not to take our last name, our husband's last name, because he's not your father. It doesn't work that way. You keep your own name. So for mm. someone who's been oppressed, how dare I not take my husband's last name? Though, because he should be really owning me at this point. Yeah, I, I mean, right? right? We're just so, a commodity. So why, how dare me not take his last name? The big part for me is um, there is misconception between culture and religion. And I think depending what culture you see or what um and i don't think culture is really bad i think people like to organize things they just it just makes sense to them to have some sort of similarity and kind of pass down generation upon generation without even questioning it so it doesn't necessarily mean culture is a bad thing also it just means that maybe sometime we shouldn't focus too much on that alone even if you go to youtube if you want to learn about islam there's a beautiful people who know who explain it in a in a in a very common way, in a very inviting way that you can learn. And this is why I I was able to take back my hijab because mind you, I took the hijab while this is started. <laughs> wow. So and the reason for me, I, I wanted to take a stand. I wanted to take a stand and say it really bothered me a lot when people see me and says, oh, oh, I didn't know you, uh, Tia, oh, I didn't know you were Muslim. It bothered me a little bit because mm. that's, that's my identity. That's a big part of me. That's one reason. And the other thing, I wanted to stand in solidarity with my Muslim sisters because I say, you know what, this is our faith. There is no shame in it. And we shall Absolutely. be able to practice our faith. I don't think, I, I, I don't know what is, the, what is the fear about wearing a scarf because it's just a piece of scarf. But I think the, the reality is the ideology is the fact that we are there is a submission to our Lord and that bothers people because in the whole purpose of Islam is submission. It's submission to your Lord. And not a lot, a lot of people really believe in God because a lot of people, especially here in Western countries, is um they just go as the floor. They just it's like a bird, right? There yeah. is um and which is fine. That's your prerogative and it is what that is. Yeah. But for the rest but don't of make us, the rest of us have to abide by your standards. Absolutely. Like, that's not that's not I'm not coming I'm not coming here to change your mind and I'm I'm not I'm not here for that I don't want to change your mind but I don't I don't want to be punished also for believing in one God and believing in my faith and for practicing my faith how I see it um I'm not bothering anybody you know I'm not I'm not going out there and you know shouting Islam is this Islam is that you should be you're a bad person you're going to hell otherwise <laughs> I am not preaching those things matter of fact Islam is peace if you really there's a guy that does that on Jasper Avenue but anyway girl I'm just gonna <laughs> you know what I mean though exactly yeah, I know so what we're you not mean. doing that but I think I think whatever is happening right now I'm gonna be honest with you I really think it's because of the pandemic I think a lot of people have a uh, time in their hands they just mm-hmm. um and I feel that a lot of people have a lot of anger. A lot of people believe that um, immigrant, because they still see us as newcomers. They still see us as foreign. Uh, mind you, we've they been here. They as you did not adopt yes. the Canadian way. You did not Absolutely. assimilate, right? Whatever um, that yeah. means. <laughs> Whatever that means. Exactly. Um, That's why I'm using air quotes. So I also still talking about, you know, misunderstanding, misconceptions and myths. I want to talk about some parts that what people say, and you can correct me uh, because I have no knowledge of the Quran. They say that some of the teachings of the Quran or some of the teachings in Islam perpetuates this idea that Islam is trying to take over the rest of the world or trying to be the one all be all religion. So there are people who say things like the Quran teaches superiority over other religion, for example, uh, monopoly to God, only one access to God. Uh, of course, you've told me a little bit earlier, because I was paying attention and taking notes, that the Quran teaches and Islam teaches that you protect other religion. And you talked about Judaism, Christianity, the Torah, you know, that you respect. Those were your words, you know, you respect and you take care of those other religion because we are all supposed to live together in unison, right? We're not we're not here to prove that any other religion is more superior than the other. That's the true Islam teaches. So I want you to address, you know, people with this kinds of thought process that say use words like, oh, there's the jihad, oh, there's Sharia law, there's dawah, if I'm saying it, if I'm pronouncing it right, and fitra, and whatever else out there that teaches this 
monopoly on access to God. Can we talk about that? It's interesting. I don't know where to begin, uh, but let's begin with jihad. Jihad, sure. is, jihad to be honest, um, is misunderstood. Let's just say that, okay? Jihad literally what it means is the struggle within. Is you is a struggle. Is you overcoming that struggle? It just means it's fighting the devil inside you because we all have it. And I'm sorry, I don't want people somebody to say, "Well, she Muslim, she mentioned devil too." No, right? but we all, well, we <laughs> all struggle with a dark side within us. I don't say anything wrong with. Absolutely, and I think, and I personally struggle with that because again, I I grew up in two different cultures. It, it's very hard to to be. I mean. You cannot comply to neither of them. It's, it's like you're, you're lost, right? So jihad is literally what that I means. It's just a struggle. It's, it's the battle that you have within yourself to find your truth or whatever that means. So there's no such thing as the jihad war where Muslim people, you know, they gather around and they go on what are they? What are they? I want to see. I want to meet with them, you know. But are they people? I'm going to be yeah. honest. Though, so are there people in Islam who believe in jihad and actual jihad in itself, uh, um, believing that jihad means uh, killing anybody and everybody who is not Muslim? Absolutely. You know, there is a terrorist people organization. Yeah, there are people exist. who believe that, yeah. But the, how about this, though? Those are the people who actually kill Muslims the most, though. Right? So they're not coming to you just yet. We have that in Nigeria. Them. You're familiar so, with my country. There absolutely. There is a huge portion, possibly more than 50%, that are Muslim. Yeah. And they attack all the Muslim community. Yes. They kill all the Muslim people. So I remember the yeah. recent one, the, those little girls who got those whole school got kidnapped, right? Yeah. I cannot defend that because I am against those. We, all our leader would stand and say, we're con- we are not okay with that. We can, we, we condemn all that. That is not okay to happen, right? We're all against it. But are we saying that every single Muslim, how many billions of us actually believe that? Absolutely not. Like, like I said, we, Killing one person means killing entire humanity. So there is, a, there is a terrorist organization, a lot of them, and they do try to recruit the new ones, the young, you know, the young minds who are still a bit naive, who haven't really had their own thought yet. They do recruit those. Absolutely. I can't deny that. The thing about Dawah, that would just mean spreading the word of God. That's okay. the same guy, that's the same person who's just like the same guy who stand on stay on the stand on Jasper Avenue with the big sign. <laughs> Jesus is the way. That right? guy, yeah. That, I is, know what you that mean. is Dawah. That's right. That is Dawah. That would mean spreading the message of God. Whatever is wrong with that, I thought that this isn't like a freedom of speech. I, I'm confused about that. So how is that a negative thing, right? Let's even say that's actively happening because everybody wants to praise the religion, right? Mm-hmm. So. I don't think nothing's wrong with that. If I'm not coming to you, forcing on you, if I'm not holding a weapon on you and say, yeah, you have I'm to just, believe just it. Just like Christianity, we all know Jehovah Witness people. Absolutely. We they all come knocking on my door every yeah, other day, I'm, right? Well, there you go. I'm sure, yeah. So we, and I'm sure our listeners, you probably know one of two Christian groups that come knocking at your door as well. Yes. Maybe the seven-day Adventist Folks, yes. I don't know. And we all listen to these people. We chat, we talk to them, and then we say bye. Yes. You know, we don't necessarily have to go to your church the next day or believe no. that. And we I've been here on. 22 years. I haven't seen one Islam person, one Muslim person, one person who practiced Islam who came to my door or any other door who knock on them and say, hey, here is about Islam. I, I never have that either. So, mm-hmm. So what's going on? What are you talking about then? But if people on YouTube, if there is a lot of imams, and I'm so thankful that a lot of leaders out there, they put their um, their message on YouTube. It's beautiful message. You should yeah. really, I, I really urge people to listen to it. There is nothing harm in that. There is no, there is no like we're better, you bad. No, we're no. going to heaven. We're going to hell. Even how about this? Even the biggest imam, the biggest imam means like a priest or a, um, a preacher. Even him will not tell you I'm going to heaven. I, it's actually a sin for us to say I'm going to heaven because only God knows that. We don't get to decide those things. So it's a bit confusing for me when people say, well, is one way to get to that or you believe this way because it's not really true. We believe Islam is the way, just like Christian people believe is, is Christianity mm-hmm. is the way. Um, we spread the message. If you take the message, good for you. If you don't, then by gone. Like, you know, go on your merry way. So... There's so many misconceptions, and I think I think maybe is sometimes I feel like maybe might be the the Arabic language because our Quran uh, is in Arabic language. A lot of the word that we use is Arabic language, and and I, I know I've heard people if like for example if you say Allahu Akbar, 
There you go. You said the word. It's a trigger. Seriously? I'm like, oh, oh, my oh goodness. My. How dare you? Um, right? But, but do you know what? It's just a language, though. Just like any other language. Just like English language. It's just a language. It's just a language. We need to get this word, people, that T.I. is saying right here. It's just a language. If this was English, if this was Jewish, if this was Hebrew, German, Russian, whatever language, French, yeah. would you have a problem with somebody saying Allah Akbar or Ishallah or whatever else? Would you have a problem with that? Probably that... not. Yes. Why Probably is not. a problem when somebody else speaks your own language and all of a sudden there's a tension in the room? It could maybe mainstream media might also have a place big part, in this. Absolutely. A big part in like brainwashing yeah. the way people perceive these things. I agree. I really agree. Um, I'm, I'm going to tell you as a Muslim person, there is nothing to fear us. There is nothing to fear Muslim folks. If you want, I actually recommend having conversation without anger. Just really listen to us. Listen to, go get to know one Muslim family. Get to know a Muslim person. Talk to your friend that you work with. Talk to anyone. Ask them questions. And a lot, a lot of us, just like you're questioning me right now, talking to me, we'll give you the information. We'll talk to you. I wouldn't be in it. I'm not, I'm not ignorant. I'm a grown person. I, I hope I'm intelligent to know when something is bad you for are, me. I wouldn't, be, yeah, I wouldn't be running to a religion that preach hate. It doesn't preach hate. But I think if you take things out of context, if you yeah. just focus on that, oh, jihad. Well, I mean, and the other thing, the Quran was, was, uh, was written like, 500 like a, what was it what is it six it's like 650 ad or something right like AD, exactly like, so whoa. the message hasn't changed but yeah. back then though let's just be honest back then people used to go to war physical fight religion that's how the whole religion came about right that's people mm-hmm. used to go to war but how are you gonna apply that and say well you know they were fighting for islam this is what's happening right now i can promise you that's different than this one because this terrorism terrorist gangs or organization they're killing innocent people that's not the same thing no that's like that's extremism you know exactly and that's what we need to just wrap our head around it that it's not the religion it's not the you know the word of god the quran in your case it's just specific people who are truly not part of the Muslim community. They are the radical people. They're the extremists, just like in Absolutely. any other religion. Yeah. Yeah. There are extremist people in there. And those are yeah. the people that make that religion look bad. It's not the whole people. I think that's how people need to start to try to think about it. Is that whenever you have a, just think about like a big a bag of apples and there's one bad apple in there. You just have to take that one, that one out, apple out. You're not yeah. going to throw the whole bag of really good apples away because of one no. bad apple. I think you get out of your bubble, talk to people, get to know them, ask them questions. You know, they will most likely a Muslim person will literally invite you to their home. They will say, come. And they'll feed you, they'll cook for you, they'll talk to you. That's how you get to know the community. That's how you, not, you don't learn it from uh, a small clips or you don't learn it from Donald Trump's mouth. You don't learn no. it from the social media. It's a trigger for me too. Every time I see Donald Trump, I'm like, ooh, you know, we're moving on. Yeah. But I think is that you, you're not going to learn from the mainstream media. You are not no. going to, I'm sorry, you're not. If you want to get to know, actually get to know, go to the community and come talk to us. I'll cook for you. I'll give you some samosas. I will... You can get to know my kids and I will tell you about Islam. You can actually see with your two eyes exactly what that is. Thank you so much, Tia. That was going to be the next question I was going to ask is how can we educate non-Muslims to give Muslims a chance to have that conversation? And you started to talk about already. You said talk to a friend, talk to a Muslim friend, talk to a Muslim colleague, go out there and watch some meaningful teachings by people and that's what I do like there are some really good podcasts out there Muslim podcasters out there who teach about Islam you know history of Islam they just talk about the whole the whole Muslim community as well as the Islam faith in a way that would really it's not too complicated like it's easy for people that are non-Muslim to understand so seek out those sources whether that be a podcast or YouTube or a book maybe yes Uh, but I would start by saying talk to your Muslim friend if you have a Muslim friend or approach you know someone within the Muslim community or if they approach you give them a listening ear 
The other thing is in Edmonton, we have we have one of the oldest mosques in Canada, like oh. the Al Rashid Mosque. The Al Rashid Mosque just the other um, year or so they celebrated their hundred years in Edmonton. Wow. Okay, in Alberta itself. So. Sometimes when people talk about Islam being, um, especially here in Edmonton or in Alberta or in Canada, something new, but it's not new though. I mean, we have a whole lot that tells you it's been around for 100 no, years. No, Islam is not a new religion. And if I'm not mistaken, it's probably older than Christianity. Even when our leaders, because I know uh, the leader of um, UCP government, and this is the thing that is, this hate is not nothing new. It is it's systemically rooted in there. The recent um, school curriculum that just happened, they make it sound, they made it that like Catholic or Christianity is the religion, and the other one because is a new or so it's almost like make just find that, you know, if people are having a hard time with those other religions, it's an upcoming. It cannot be. You can't have that kind of language when you're somebody in power. You you just can't because as somebody in power, I'm really holding them accountable. As somebody in power, your job is to create unity there won't be any division muslim people have voted for that person because he didn't just get there by only non-muslim folks there are muslim people who got him there you really have to take accountability for that and i think it's up to them to create that unity i don't see them have you seen them on the news i don't see them saying we don't condone this this is not okay i don't see them saying that often mm-hmm. i see the, op- uh, the opposition leaders however speaking up i see them reaching out to the muslim community i see them critiquing this government but i think when you have that kind of responsibility you know if you have that kind of power you ought to do something about it you really have to say something yeah. and you have to come up with policies that really hold these people accountable for what they're doing and we need to know about them there is no transparency there, i don't know what's going on and this is again this is what the frustration the anxiety and the fear comes from i don't know what's going on and i think if our leader were transparent if they were honest if they were reaching out to us, if they're saying, well, this happened, but we're going to do this about it. This is, we're going to create this policy. You guys are going to be so safe. I know it's not going to be too Yeah, because perfect. what has happened since 2017, when that guy, that mass shooting in the, in, in the mosque. In Quebec, yeah. In Quebec. So what, what has happened? Like, what policy changes has been effected? I have no idea. And, and here you know, we are, how many years later? And, and I know that the incident in London... Um, I know all the leader, leader went there, you know, the whole, yeah, I don't know the, if you the watched visual. it. Yeah, the visual is beautiful, but I'm like, again, mother moving, what are the actions? You know what I mean? Everybody's going there to make themselves feel better, and you know, oh, Justin Trudeau went there, or this other leader went there, okay, fantastic, gotcha, I got it, you went there, great. But we've been exploded, we are being exploded, this is just, what's going to happen next? I don't see them yeah. talking anymore. And, and that's the fear. They talk about it for one week, EJ, and then they, and then it drops and then another attack. And then they're going to talk about it again. And then, and then yeah, it's just a cycle. We, we became a trend. I don't want to be a hot trend anymore. I, I'm sorry, but go, you know, although I don't want somebody else to be attacked, but can we focus on something? Or maybe climate change for one. I mean, anything really at this point, right? It's exhausting that we're putting these people in power and my vote is not, paying off and you know and safety and security is not is not a privilege i'm sorry people say this is a right that applies to all of us it's not just it doesn't apply to one group of people it doesn't apply no it applies across the board to all of us we should all feel safe and secure how can you i mean going for a walk how can that be the most dangerous thing you're going to do today in 2021 i don't know we definitely need concrete policy solutions I think that you've really mentioned a lot of good points for institutional change, for change that government can implement today. And you said, first off, in the beginning, you said, we need to start monitoring these online rooms, these rooms where they chat and have these kinds of violent conversations. Governments need to pay attention to that, and government needs to create unity in their public presentation, in their messaging, in their statements, and of course, concrete policies that hold people accountable and I think you said that quite eloquently I don't think that there's anything else to to add to that because we can't be here one week later one month later one year later again what I want to ask now is what you feel or some of the things that we should do at the individual level what should 
non-Muslim people be doing at the community level to support the Muslim community and to keep this conversation going? One thing is that non-Muslim folks can really do is spread the message, right? Okay. Talk about it. Um, don't make this just us issue because clearly we're not attacking ourselves. Somebody else is attacking me who is not Muslim, right? Mm-hmm. So that's one thing. But for example, if they're having family dinner, there's one that one uncle that's always spitting some hate messages. Maybe it's time to tell him today is not the day. Mm-hmm. Maybe educate them. Or if you don't want to educate them, you can say, you know what, I'm not okay with that. I'm not comfortable with that because it's a message is spread like wildfire. wildfire yeah. Right? Literally, we say it at the same time. So that's one thing you can do. Spread that message. Talk to the people that you know. If you want to be part of the solution, this is it. Silence is violence. It's not good enough for us anymore. This is, it's, it's not helping me. It's not helping my family. It's not helping my community. Your silence is literally deadly for me. That's one thing you can do from uh, from uh, individual level. From community level, go ask for change in policies and ask for legislation change to your MLAs and MPs, the people that you're hiring, people that you're voting for. Is that tax money that's saying this piece, these folks, right? Yeah. So go talk to them. Raise your voice. You have a voice. You voted. That's that in itself is a power. You have your voice. Please speak up. Go talk to them and ask accountability. Ask for what are we doing about this? Because if something happens to you tomorrow, I can promise you I'll be there with you. You don't have to be Muslim for me to stand up with you. I will stand up with you. I'm against any kind of injustice. So that's another thing you can do from a community level or from a government level if you want. Go demand change. Go demand change because my child, my mom, my sister, myself, we're in fear. For one, put yourself in my shoes. Put yourself in that family's shoes. Put yourself in that kid, the nine-year-old who survived, the sole survivor. Is that something that you want for your family? If the answer is no, then you can do something about that today. You actually can do that. Whatever you need to do that you haven't done before is better than nothing, right? Because I'm I'm sorry, but I'm not okay with your silence, and I'm not okay for you being. You're some people might say I'm uncomfortable. I don't I don't care anymore. I'm I'm just not here for that because we're literally dying here. I Mm. I don't I. It's not that I don't want to be heartless because again I'm an empath. I'm I care about how somebody else feel. I'm not trying to be um, this harsh person, but I honest to goodness I'm not here for your comfort. I'm not. I'm trying to keep my family, my community alive as much as I can. So. If you're going to ask me tomorrow to stand with you when something happens to you, then I need you to show up for me today. And the funny thing is, people, it's interesting, people that are reaching out to us is people of color. <laughs> it's color folks, it's racialized people, which is, why are you quiet? Like, what makes you quiet? What, why, why are folks quiet, right? Mm-hmm. But your your silence is not appeasing to me anymore. I'm sorry. And yeah, I, I like the word that you said there. That silence is violence. It's really true. I really believe that it's not the Muslim community's job or role to go out there campaigning against racism, against Islamophobia, and raising all this awareness. That's not the job of your community. Same way as it's not the job of Black people to go out there to educate people about racism. Go to the internet. There's something called Google. Google yes. it. There are books, there are courses, there's all kinds of information out there that you can go and learn about the history of, of any specific community in order to know how best to support and to tackle what's at hand. No, that, and that, I, that's, that's, if you don't want the same thing happening to you, then you shouldn't be okay happening to anybody. And that's, that's how I practice everything I practice. It's just my faith, my my career, who I am as a person, you know, and I, I think a lot of folks, I think sometimes they're getting burned out <laughs> from yeah. hearing all this. But imagine, though, if you're getting burned out from just hearing about it, then imagine the, the rest peop- of us? Yeah, imagine, imagine the people, people who are living in it. No, you're right. You like, know? people are probably <laughs> getting overwhelmed and therefore desensitized and somewhat, uh, you But know, you non- can do something, EJ, I think. Yeah, people can do something, and Absolutely. you can do something, man. You, I have, yeah. I have seen movement. I have seen the you, you saw the Me, me Too movement. I Come saw on it. now, of course. You, Black Lives you, Matter it, movement. We keep seeing it. We know yes. how that. So I know what you're talking about, and you've told us what we can do. So I hope that our listeners today, and those who watch this video as well, will join the movement to end hate against our Muslim brother and sister and the whole community 
as well. So I also want you to touch on how parents can support your kids because this is all over social media. When they go to school, sadly, I'm sure that some of our kids are experiencing racial slurs and attacks as well. So as a mom, because you said that you're a single mother of of three, how are you talking to this whole situation with your kids? Any advice for other Muslim moms and dads on how they can help your kids cope with this information? You know, we have two issues in my community. One, my kids are black boys and have two boys and a girl. When the, entire, when the whole Black Lives Matter movement happened, I had to sit on my son and I have to talk to him about that. I'm exhausted. I'm, I think I, I just, we're, oh my God. So we had to talk to me. I had to talk to him and say, explain to him what that means for him. And it's so confusing for a kid who's born here who doesn't see that to make them see that. Because that in itself is traumatizing. It really Absolutely. is. Because you're talking about something that's very heavy that I, 11 year old and a six year old and a three year old should not even hurt. I don't want them to know about this, but I also want them to know about this. So that was that conversation. And now the new conversation is the fact that they're Muslim now. So now is their faith. And mind you, I have, um, wow. I have 11 or 12 nephews. And I have, you know, there's so many of them. And we're having conversation with our kids about Islam and what's going on. And because my son saw me on TV and, you know, they're all getting excited. But then, I have to explain to them what that means. They're like, what? But why? You know, kids, it's always the why. I don't don't have the answer for you. I don't have the answer for them. So I I just decided I, myself, I find it that is is a bit traumatizing for them. So I just give them sort of the preliminary information. Moms, some people don't like, you know, they they don't like what they, they don't like what they don't know. And sometimes when people see mom, grandma, or aunties wearing these hijabs, they don't like that. And I, I, yeah. I tell them, and I said, it's not everybody who believes that because I don't want to create some hate in them. I don't want to pass my trauma on to them because we are, this is a trauma we're going through. And I think at some point we're going to have a PTSD from this. And we already have PTSD from pandemic and there's another PTSD. There's a PTSD from uh, being black. So there's always something, right? But for me, I chose to not to dive deep into it. So for me, I, I didn't want to add more to yeah. it. And because there is a lot of things that happened within my family for the last couple of years, there's just too many things on top of one another, too many changes. So I just chose to say that some people don't like one Muslim woman wear hijab. He's mm-hmm. like, well, they, 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 so they get attacked? But why? That's not, that's not, that's not right. I'm like, I know mm. it's not right. And this is why mommy's talking about that. Okay, mommy, that's a good job. And we go, we leave at that. So I think each parent can decide how they want to start that conversation with their kids. I think the other things too, our kids are already getting vicarious trauma anyways. Me rolling up my window when I'm stopping <laughs> traffic stop, that itself, my son can see that. My, you know, they all see that. You just need to be kind to yourself when you're explaining that without having an anger because the more anger you have, you can transfer that on your kids. And how ironic that we yeah. saying, don't be angry. I don't have the capacity to handle that just now yet because it's still happening. It hasn't ended yet. You know, when there's a resolution, you can be like, well, this what happened. You know, yeah, some sort of happy ending. You can yeah, tie that with a bow. Exactly. Or you can be like, this is right. So it's like, oh, it was bad, but now it's done. So we can move on, right? It's hard. I, I bleed. My heart bleeds. I can't. I sh- I'd rather not, man. I'd, I'd rather not. You know, everybody knows the capacity of your environment of your children of your family so like when you're sharing this when you're talking about racism islamophobia whatever that you may want to talk to your kids about if, if you're especially if you're black you will need to talk to them about racism for sure yes and then if you're a black muslim then you have to talk to them That's about the layer, same thing right? twice you add another yeah. layer to the racism yeah. you add yeah. islamophobia to it it's just a matter of you know like you said you can just tell them some information that you feel like they can handle that they need to know but you don't really need to speak to them with all that I want to say all that intricate detail, like all that yeah. full on detail, they probably don't need to hear that. And we want to be careful not to transfer. Anger. You want to preserve. Yeah. You want to preserve the childhood, right? You want, you want yeah. them to be. Those I don't know how much of kids. your childhood we can preserve here with all the stuff we see. Right? Yeah. With all this happening. I agree. Yeah. And I, I pity, I really, 
I pity that. And I, I think if that bothers you, non-Muslim people or non-black folks, if that part bothers you, please do something. And I please know you do can... something. Yeah. Yes, please. Thank you. Tia, thank you so much for everything that you've shared with us today. It's just been amazing talking to you. I'm super grateful. I want to end by asking you to share one key takeaway. If there's only one thing that they can take away from this conversation we've just had, what do you think that should be? The same right that applies to you should apply to me. There should be no exception. It shouldn't be because of this. It should not be because of the, the no exception. Just erase that out. It shouldn't, my race shouldn't matter. My color shouldn't matter. If you feel when you go at the end of the night, when you go to bed, if deep down in you, you believe the same right that applies to you should apply to me, then please do something. Please speak up because that's really what that is. I think we have to humanize this somehow. We have to kind of, there, there, there should not be a price on my, um, on my safety. There should not be, well, just take, you know, I hear something, just take the hijab off. I shouldn't have to do that period right so if you feel like oh yeah t have this issue should really have just for simply being human i don't care don't add anything to it no other adjective don't add another thing no 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 just the fact that we're both human if you feel the same i know i'm over i'm, I'm, I'm keep repeating that but it if you important. feel if you feel the same right that applies to you that you should just go to the grocery you should just go for a walk um if those should apply to me then please make that happen because I know I am putting too much responsibility on you, but I will promise you if that was you, if that was happening to you, I'll be right next to you. I wouldn't even question it. Nothing will matter to me. I'll stand right next to you. I don't have to agree with you. We don't have to see eye to eye, but I will promise you that every, each of us should be safe, period. Don't care what religion you believe in. I do not care what race you are. I'll be right next to you. And I'm expecting the same thing from you. Thank you. Right? Yeah. yeah. Thank, Thank you, you for so having me. Yeah, you're amazing. And I think we need more podcasts like this. And I, I'm so grateful. I'm, I'm so humbled that I know you Thank and you. that you give me this platform. I know I don't have the big fancy word to say. And I know. Um, I, we don't need fancy. Feel, we don't need fancy is. words in this podcast. As a matter of fact, I do tell some of my guests. Yeah. If you're one of those intellectuals, I tell them to tone it down a bit because this podcast is for everybody. Everybody. It's not about, you know, anything. It's, it's just about let's have a regular conversation. Let's have and a I kitchen table conversation. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. thank I you so much for being you, here. You're doing amazing work. And I think something might come up from your podcast. You. Wow. Might be just a hobby now, but you never know. You <laughs> it never is a hobby right now. It's a passion, but yeah. Yeah, this right. conversation are very vital. They're very important conversation to have. Very and important. and you're very important, and I appreciate you. you. So thank you so much for having me. You're very welcome. And shout out to Alima who connected the two of us. Because if it wasn't for her, I probably would have met you. So she's an amazing human being. I knew, she is. I knew her. I knew her. I know her for about ten years now. She's um. Oh wow. She come. She came along. But yeah, we met in school a long time ago. I always admire her. I'm like, I don't know how she has that kind of body with that baby. I'm like, I don't know. I, I, I don't baby. know, girl. I don't know how she has. <laughs> like, you look good yourself too, Asia. What are you talking about? What? I'm good. You, you look amazing. You look Wait, amazing. Are you like, sure it's not the so... camera? It might be the camera yeah. or the light. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're so harsh on ourselves. Um, and that's kind of human nature, but you look amazing. So thank you for having me. I appreciate so much. it. Yeah, thank you as well. Today's conversation was also recorded by video please check it out on YouTube. And also, please consider subscribing at Unfiltered Real Talk Podcast. Hey friends, thank you so much for listening to the very end of this conversation. I hope that you enjoyed it and I truly hope that inspired you. If you enjoyed the conversation, please consider rating wherever you listen and connect with me on social media with what you enjoyed or maybe something that you did not enjoy that you would like to see in another conversation. So connect with me with a comment and your feedback. Let's keep continuing to do and inspiring to do what is right and kind. I'll see you in the next episode.